Well, thanks so much for tuning in this morning. I'm Evan Bray. Some distressing news that we uh, heard about the cardiac event that Lanny McDonald had. The good news is he's he's okay. He is recovering from it, but he was on his way home from that NHL All-Star weekend in Toronto in the Calgary airport, and thankfully there were a couple of nurses there to help him. He's since been posting on social media saying, yeah, I had a cardiac event, and... Uh, I'm how I'm so happy and lucky that we had a couple of nurses there who were able to act quickly. They gave me the, you know, basically the care that I needed at that time. They got him to the hospital and now he's being treated for what is still being called a cardiac event. Lanny McDonald, 70 years old. And the other thing is we woke up to sad news this morning, the loss of a country music great. I should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to run. Bad news when we hear about the loss of legend Toby Keith, 62 years old, diagnosed with stomach cancer. Uh, been battling it for a while and uh, was surrounded by his family and friends when he lost that battle overnight. Toby Keith, uh, 62 years old. So, yeah, tough to hear those things. Both people that you uh, no doubt grew up watching Lanny McDonald. And so when you hear about superstars like that having a heart attack, it's a scary thing. Thankfully, in his case, he is making a recovery and typical of Lanny. He's continuing to joke on, on social media. And then the sad loss of country music legend, Toby Keith, that we just found out about first thing this morning. Well, it seems like every week we've got new developments when it comes to artificial intelligence. It's just like technology. It's, it's advancing at a rapid rate, so rapid that you almost can't keep up self-driving cars Chat GPT, which more people are using. Deep fakes, which is seriously concerning. Basically, the fact they can use your face in a video, make it look exactly like you. And that technology, as I said, is getting better every single day. Something that once seemed straight out of a science fiction movie, basically, is now reality, it seems. And not everyone is jumping up and down and celebrating these huge leaps that we're seeing in the use of artificial intelligence. I don't know if you remember, in the spring of 23, a bunch of tech leaders came forward, including Elon Musk, basically warning AI labs around the world to slow their role, basically saying you're advancing the technology quicker than society is ready in terms of regulation and safety protocols. And my next guess is also one of those people who has some serious concerns when it comes to the rapid advancement and what we're seeing when it comes to AI, as well as the lack of regulations and legislation surrounding it. Daniel Chai is a professor at Toronto Metropolitan University and an adjunct assistant professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University, and he joins us by phone this morning. Daniel, thanks so much for taking our call. Thank you for having me. So we talk a lot about artificial intelligence, and you lecture on this all the time. Are there certain industries that you're seeing more deeply impacted by AI? Well, what we're seeing is a switch to using AI in knowledge industries. Uh, so the uh, great example of that is here in Canada, we have Shopify, which is one of Canada's most valuable companies. It's in the space of uh, technology and e-commerce. And what they've done is they are transitioning away from using humans uh, to answer customer service calls and so forth with uh, using artificial intelligence to do that instead. A uh, big part of this is in uh, knowledge industries and and the e-commerce space, if you can replace human beings with computers, or in this case, AI, 
you're saving on huge costs when it comes to labor. And it's sort of like what you're seeing now on a more low-tech basis with self-checkout. You're now dealing with uh, algorithms instead of dealing with people. So we're seeing more of this, not just uh, in with Shopify, but also with even law firms and other um, industries where it's knowledge-based, it's, it's intensive, uh, with, uh, that normally would have human beings involved. They're trying to offload some of those functions to AI. You mentioned e-commerce. We're seeing a huge boom when it comes to the use of AI and banking and finances. What are your thoughts on this? Like, can we trust AI when it comes to something as important as our bank account? Well, this is the thing. So we definitely are seeing an uptrend in the uh, rampant use of fraud uh, through AI. great example of this is uh, there's been a, a just recent story of a $25 million payment that a finance employee made because he was duped into a video conference vis-a-vis uh, deep-faked uh, versions of his boss and other people that he works with. So as far as he knew, he thought that this was a legitimate request for money that was validated by the fact that on this video conference he could see the least images wow. uh, and, and voice that sounded just like people he, he knows and works with, including his boss. He initially was suspicious, but what what convinced him was the fact that uh, in this video conference, it sounded just like, uh, you know, uh, the people he knew. And this is based in Hong Kong. So we know that um, the use of technology like this is not new. Uh, In fact, it's becoming more of a rampant trend, uh, the use of deep fakes and AI to to scam people. So the the good side of this is you're going to see the use of this in terms of I guess, industry efficiencies and profitability. But on the bad side of this, you're going to see criminals, scammers, fraudsters, use more of this technology to uh, create a lot of create a lot of problems and, and uh, just create a whole bunch of uh, issues for, for, for everybody. How do we protect ourselves against something like that? I'm assuming it's just uh, fact-check and face-to-face conversations. Well, that, that uh, you know, given the amount of money involved and uh, in, in that heist of uh, $25 million, it clearly shows these criminals had inside information. They were able to get get video and, and uh, voice of these individuals that work in the company. I think the, the, you know, so the typical advice is that you should always call, uh, try to speak to the person directly or have a face-to-face to verify uh, if you are getting legitimate instructions. Um, and uh, I think that's still, uh, you know, uh, a, a requirement uh, in order to try to cyber-proof against fraud. But at the same time, uh, these these scams are getting more and more sophisticated, and uh, maybe a phone call won't do the trick. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you have to go into the person's office and actually see them to make sure that, uh, you know, if you're transferring the funds, it's, it's legit. So I think there's a whole bunch of things at play here that we should be very concerned about in terms of the use of technology and the misuse of it. Chatting this morning with Daniel Chai, who is a professor at Toronto Metropolitan University. So are there regulations or legislation in place that protects us when it comes to AI? Or are we still kind of Wild West when it comes to that? Well, we have traditional laws. You know, there's there's already provisions in the criminal code for fraud over $5,000. You know, you potentially face... Uh, a prison sentence up to 10 years and uh, fines and restitution orders, meaning that you have to pay back the funds uh, within a period of time. If not, they might extend the sentence uh, at, the ju- at the judge's discretion when they do the sentencing. 
So these existing laws do exist, but if you look at the dollar figures involved, you know, if we're talking a few million dollars and a potentially light jail sentence, you know, in Canada we we give credit for time served. You know, people don't normally, these fraudsters don't normally serve the full amount of their sentences. That's very rare. So, uh, yeah, the old saying, crime pays, probably applies in the context of uh, AI and the use of it in crime. So, I mean, that's a, that's a huge implication here is the laws haven't really caught up, the penalties haven't caught up, and uh, the incentive for fraudsters, particularly those who aren't even in the country. You know, if they're doing frauds from, you know, Nigeria or India, like, uh, or Russia, it's very difficult to go there and try to uh, extradite or impose uh, jurisdiction orders from, uh, you know, Canadian law enforcement. So, so I think there's a lot of uh, problems here in terms of uh, the fact that uh, the uh, the cybercrime is disintermediated. That means uh, it can happen anywhere. Uh, criminals are using uh, AI to, to execute these crimes, and, uh, and it's very difficult to kind of uh, bring them to justice. Daniel Chai is my guest today. So I'm, I'm curious, I saw an article about three weeks ago. It was in a national publication that said, be careful, we might start losing jobs to AI. That, that ship mm. has sailed. We, we are, I'm guessing, already uh, losing jobs, and you talked about it off the start, seeing companies find efficiencies through the use of artificial intelligence, and I'm guessing it's not slowing down anytime soon. Well, what we're actually seeing is a trend called de-skilling. So a lot of workers now are not required to have the same type of skill sets just because ChatGBT and other AI can do the jobs for them. So we're talking about complicated Excel spreadsheets. In some cases, you can get ChatGBT to do some of the mathematical analysis. And so what employers are starting to require now is instead of being able to do the math yourself is being able to kind of execute commands or give commands to ChatGBT or AI software to do it for you. Now, the problem with that, of course, is uh, once you start de-skilling uh, people and uh, those skills become rare, uh, you also kind of uh, you diminish the ability for these people to uh, demand more wages and uh, compensation for, for because those skills are not uh, required as much, uh, given the fact that a computer can do it for them. So I think the, I think what it's going to do is change the nature of the labor force, and uh, that's going to have huge implications in terms of the types of jobs that are valuable, the types of compensation we expect for those jobs. You know, coders are expected now to go in and actually know how to code and, and, and to do it. Now you can actually get code through AI to do coding for you uh, in some circumstances. And, that, and that's a huge implication in terms of what's, we, what's it going to do to our workforce and what we can demand in terms of compensation. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine, I remember a story a couple of months ago around um, a publication that was using AI to generate stories and course some of the information that was being generated wasn't factual because of some glitches with how artificial intelligence gathers information but where ai is at its worst point it's ever going to be today and tomorrow it's going to be that much better it's it's one of those things daniel that's rapidly improving to the point that we're seeing exponential growth in its potential and use i'm guessing every day well we're seeing it already i think uh, one of the examples you you're touching on is Sports Illustrated, and uh, they had uh, all their copy, not all their copy, but they had quite a few articles written by AI, what 
what got them in trouble was the fact that when people looked up the names of the authors of these pieces, they didn't actually exist. They had used uh, AI uh, copy, plus they made up names and pictures. Uh, other publications have tried to use AI in the news uh, world, as you know. Uh, that's under a lot of pressure, a lot of revenue, uh, sales revenue, ad revenue has gone to Facebook, Meta, and Google. They have 80% market share in terms of advertising. And, uh, and so uh, these companies have had to get desperate to uh, try to produce news content, and effectively AI is doing some of that work for them. So I think uh, one of the issues for consumers and for the public is how much do you value actual human content? And I think there's a bit of a generational change. I think people who are younger trust technology. They trust AI and the opinions given by AI. There's just a sort of a human sense of naivete or uh, when you read the printed word, it could be wrong, but you believe it. That's We, we have research in that, you know, like Daniel Kahneman, uh, who's a economist and psychologist, Nobel Prize winner. He's done research on this, that the human mind is prone to believe what it reads. But then you also have, like, a demographic change. So you have the, the older generations who aren't like the young generation, where, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they still want to have something with a human touch to it and have uh, things they read uh, vetted through actual people. So I think uh, I think we're seeing some some generational differences, and what this might do is uh, you may just give more power to AI uh, in a way that we probably need to be a little bit more skeptical and uh, questioning if we want to give AI that much credit. Yeah, Daniel Chai, my guest. Before I let you go, Daniel, I'm curious. You lecture on this all the time: law, technology, business. Mm-hmm. What scares you most about AI? I think the implication is uh, an excessive reliance and trust in AI. The fact that AI could be used in life-altering type decisions, uh, you know, who gets to see a doctor who doesn't, uh, who gets the job interview who doesn't, uh, those types of, of very important life decisions shouldn't be in the hands necessarily of an algorithm that could have uh, biases coded into it. You know, algorithms are only as good as the coders that make it. And if coders have a bias, you know, if, if you have coders who are from one social economic background, uh, they're not diverse, uh, those biases can get embedded into the data and into the AI algorithm itself. So I think that's a big concern. And I think uh, we need ethical constraints. We need uh, oversight, transparency on the use of AI. And uh, we just can't uh, go on it in terms of blind faith because uh, we know uh, that if we do that, uh, you know, we're, we're opening ourselves up for, for problems. Daniel, this has been a great chat. Thanks so much for taking our call. Okay, thank you. Daniel Chai, professor at Toronto Metropolitan University, adjunct assistant professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University, with some, uh, some chilling stories about how AI is being used in some cases right under your nose and you don't even realize uh, how you're being affected by it. We're going to balance this story out because there's some great uses for AI as well. And this conversation will continue and we'll give you an opportunity to weigh in on your excitement or your concerns on the topic of artificial intelligence right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. The conversation is around artificial intelligence. We just had a conversation with Daniel Chai, a professor at Toronto Metropolitan University, who 
quite frankly, probably scared you a little bit about how AI is being used in fraudulent ways doesn't give us good comfort, I think. My takeaway from that is beware the Zoom calls. Are you actually talking to your boss at the end of the call? And if he's asking you to transfer $25 million, maybe ask for a face-to-face meeting. That's a scary story. Now, the flip side of it is AI is being used for great in our communities as well. Lots of positive things. We're going to be talking with a gentleman who is making some leaps and bound improvement to traffic flow, especially when it comes to first responders and emergency vehicles and traffic congestion. That use of artificial intelligence when we come back and then your thoughts on the whole AI topic right here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.